Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. It's Doug Cunnington here. And in this episode, I'll give you a little update on the Age Site case study, which I haven't talked about in a really long time. And I kept saying that I owe an update for months, for months. And I decided to just pull it up and talk about it a little bit today. And we also have several questions, three questions that were sent. You know what? Two questions and one other email. So three emails were sent in, a few questions baked in there. And I appreciate all the emails, by the way. It lets me know you're listening. I get great questions, great ideas for new shows. And feedback at Doug.show is the email address. You can leave a voicemail as well. So really appreciate that. And let's talk about this case study a little bit. So this age site case study was pretty popular. I started this back in June of, I think, 2019. So it's over a year old. And one thing that happens with case studies, at least with me, is they fizzle out. I don't think I've actually done one where I like started at the very beginning, kept it up, and went with it for like the very long term. The only case study that I started and finished was the, what did I call that? Project Go White Hat, where I, I took a site, I worked with one of my friends, Rob Atkinson. We took a site from being gray hat using private blog network links to white hat guest posts. And then we sold the site. So we finished that one. But aside from that, I've started a few and just never finished them or they completely failed and flopped. So one of them was uh, expired domains. So I tried to start like four, four sites on expired domains and test against non-expired domains and just using fresh domains. All the sites were penalized. That was back in 2014. That was a long time ago. So I, I just threw that case study away. This age site case study was very popular. I have more people following me now. And I bought a site from Human Proof Designs. It was one of their aged sites. It was basically getting a little bit of traffic. And as soon as I put my Amazon Associates tracking ID on the site, I made a sale within days. So it was pretty cool. They actually have some of those sites still out there. In the case study, I talked about the good stuff and the bad things that I didn't like in the site. I had a few podcast episodes. I had a few YouTube videos and I had a raw notes page is what I called it. So if you go to nichesiteproject.com slash ASCS, is that right? Age site case study. Yep. ASCS, you can see the raw notes. And I kind of kept up to date for about six to eight months or so. The cool thing is, as soon as I got the site, I went out of town within a few weeks. Before I went out of town, I decided I was going to hire link builders and content creators to, you know, do all the work that needed to be done. So over the course of about 40 days or so, while I was on vacation, I actually drove to Alaska from Colorado. 50 posts were published, links were built, and the site grew all the way up until May of 2020, which was pretty cool. So I bought the site in June of 2019. 
hired some companies to do some work for me. All that took place through about September of 2019. At that point in time, the site was getting maybe, you know, 70 to 100 visitors per day. And it was slowly growing all the way to January of 2020. Things were looking pretty good. Sort of plateaued at that point and was maybe getting 200 visitors a day. And then COVID hit, which actually helped the site grow. And from, I would say, mid-March until early May, the site grew quite a bit. We're getting about 400 visitors a day and earnings were pretty decent. And I'll backtrack in a second. And then the algorithm update of May of 2020 basically have the traffic. So at that point in time, almost overnight, it went, it wasn't overnight, but it was over the course of about a week or so. The traffic went down to, I would say, 150 to 200 visitors per day. And currently, right now in uh, November, almost December of 2020, I'm getting about 120 visitors a day. So it's a little bit more traffic than it was getting about um, a year ago, but almost the same as it was getting a year ago. Now, the really crappy part is earnings were, you know, over a hundred bucks for a few months at the end of 2019. And then in 2020, it was making about a hundred dollars per month all the way until April. April was actually more, it made $180 in April. And then May was 52. And then it's been about 20 to $50 over the course of the last several months. And the low point in September, it only made $6.70. Made 25 bucks in October and in November, it's about $20. So overall, this case study sort of flopped. And one thing that I, compl- I did that was a big mistake, and this is actually kind of common, I did a bunch of work early on And then I slowly lost interest. (laughs) And then the site wasn't necessarily growing as fast as I hoped. And then I just stopped working on it altogether. Now, for me, I do have the luxury of many projects going on. Some are more successful. Some are not as successful. This is one that wasn't going in the way that I thought. I'll talk about a couple things that I thought was going to happen, a couple things that I thought were going to happen. And then they just never panned out. And I started to work on other things that I was more interested in. And there was a bit of a shift that I needed to do in my business. And that's just the way it goes. I I know that I can always come back to these projects or, you know, more likely I might sell some of these sites that I've just had on the side, maybe that I've neglected where they were successful at one point and through neglect, they've gone downhill. But I have been chatting with some people that are more interested in like resurrecting sites, maybe getting a domain that has history. It's out of the sandbox and may have, you know, a handful or quite a few backlinks. And I have a few sites like that where it, it's not going anywhere. I'm not doing any work and I'm not interested in really picking up a few of these um, back up. Now this one, this per, this uh, specific site here, I maybe will do something with it in the future, but I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. So let me talk about a couple of the things that went wrong. <laughs> so number one, when I came up with the idea for this case study, I wanted to outsource everything. 
And one great benefit was that I was going to be able to use services to test them out and then recommend them to the audience. That actually worked out pretty well. I was able to test these companies, stress test them, put them through some, I don't know, just strenuous um, timelines. And I'm a stickler. I know exactly what I want in certain areas. I'm pretty flexible to deal with, but there's certain things where I want them done a certain way. And if the attention to detail is low, I mean, those things are going to get messed up, which I don't like. And that leads to higher quality um, for the people that use the service that I you know, recommend the service to. Basically, I was partnering with different companies. One was Human Proof Designs. I worked with a content company, which I'm not working with anymore. I wasn't super happy with the overall quality and some of the sales practices, which I'll mention in a minute. I won't mention the company here, but I, you know, I'm not talking about them anymore. <laughs> so you can figure that out. And some of the link building too. The link building was fine. What I was hoping for was kind of a partnership with all the different vendors that I was working with so that we could share and talk about this case study. Now, I probably can bear most of the blame on that. So one thing that I am not is very pushy or like, hey, come on, share share my stuff. I really want you to share my content. So I probably asked once or twice, but didn't really didn't really push the issue. And I know sometimes to get someone's attention, to get another another company's attention to share your content, you may have to work a little harder. Now, as time has gone on, and I actually just did a contest in the last week, the people that I worked with were more than happy to share what I was doing. So that's been great to have partners that are interested in cross-promoting. But you know, the Hoth is a pretty big company and they didn't really promote much. Um, as far as I know, human proof designs, I think they had me on for one, perhaps one podcast episode and maybe a little bit of content, but you know, overall they weren't sharing it too much. And I was hoping that it would be more interesting, but you know, one issue is I was promoting other vendors, right? So for me, for the case study to be interesting and for me to test out even more services, it was really important to not just work with one company. So I think if Human Proof had their had their uh, you know ideal situation, I would only use their products. And in my view, that just leads to maybe a more boring case study. And it looks like I'm just in their back pocket, which was not the case. And I think people appreciated the case study a lot because I was honest. I talked about stuff that I didn't like. Perhaps I even talked about what I didn't like more than what I talked about uh, what I did like, I guess. So lesson learned there. And there's probably better ways to do case studies. I mean, I look at Niche Pursuits and Spencer Hawes with his case studies I mean, they're huge. It's, you know, one of the reasons I got started with Amazon affiliate marketing. And he's done multiple of these with different formats. Some have worked better than others, but it's been just a fantastic way for him to share information, how to do things, different tools he's using. And he's been able to promote his own products, which is, you know, the smartest thing you can do, right? You, you get... <laughs> You get the full margin. Um, you have affiliates perhaps helping you out. And 
they were very educational. Like I said, I learned so much from the case studies that Spencer has done over time. I think, you know, looking back, it would have been much smarter if I just kept publishing content, kept working on the site, you know, with the May 2020, or maybe there was the end of April, that algorithm update, it just hit that site particularly hard. And while the traffic didn't drop as much as the revenue did, more of the traffic is going to non-affiliate pages. So that ended up impacting disproportionately the revenue. So the traffic dropped a decent amount, but I mean, the revenue dropped even more. Plus the double whammy in April of 2020, Amazon cut their commission rate. So another hit there. And I mean, honestly, I've haven't done any work on the site in over a year. It was roughly late October when I sort of put up put put up my boots and I stopped doing anything with the site. So right now there's about 80 posts out there. It loads relatively quick quickly and it's you know hosted over on SiteGround. And frankly, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Um one one thing that's sort of exciting, sort of a side note, I purchased a site, a different site in January of 2020. It was a fairly small site, about 25 posts, making roughly $100 per month. And I bought it from a student of mine because they wanted to focus on other projects and they wanted a little money. So I purchased the site, got a pretty good multiple on it. It was all, you know, just one-on-one. We didn't have any contracts. I paid half up front, transferred the site, paid the other half after a week or so and spend a couple weeks updating all the links and touching up some of the grammar. And then I added about 10 posts. So I think there's about 30, 35 posts on the, on the site right now. And it's making a little over a hundred bucks a month at this point. Actually, I could double check what it's made this entire year. Got to look that up. I thought I had it pulled up uh, right there. Anyway, the site's doing better. It's getting more traffic than it has in the last couple years. And I'm going to be partnering with a company to put more content on there and build links. So it's really going to get quite an injection of just attention, which it hasn't gotten in a while. The cool thing about this other site is it's been around for a few years. It's been around for at least uh, four four plus years, and there's hardly any backlinks. I mean, it's pure low competition keywords, not much content. And this year here in 2020, it's made $2,100 so far through November. And basically it's averaging, if I just you know had to look here, you know, on most months, it's getting pretty close to 200 bucks, which is really nice. And if you do the math, you know, you get 11, um, 11 months here and $2,100. So it's on track for almost $200 a month. And I haven't done much to it at all. Like I said, I added about 10 posts this year, right when I got the site and then added a little content, cleaned up a couple things, but it's going to get over 20,000 words of content each month. It's going to be getting a handful of backlinks and I envision it's kind of a cool niche too. So I'm looking forward to giving some updates about this case study. And I think, you know, a lot of people are in a situation that's similar to this in, in, in both case studies, right? 
So people will start a site, they'll get some traction, and then they'll sort of maybe not see the results they're expecting and then lose interest and maybe not put as much attention into it. Or like this other site that I just purchased, you may have have a site, you're trying to figure out what to do with it, and maybe you have more money than time and you're able to hire a company to publish more content, you know, 20, 24,000 words of content or so each month, low competition keywords, and to do some link building at the same time. I think when you do those sort of things, those are the opportunities where you can take a site from 200 bucks a month to $2,000 a month, you know, huge, huge turnaround. And at that point, I'll have a great headline where I talk about, you know, how I was able to, you know, buy a site for 4,000 bucks and then now it's worth, you know, $100,000 or whatever. We'll see how it goes. Definitely counting the chickens before they hatch, but it's fun to uh, think about what you could do when you actually put some effort into it. And I, I think, you know, based on these two sites, right, I'm, I'm starting up a new case study. I had the opportunity to add content to the age site or to this other site that I purchased. Now, when I looked at the, you know, pure metrics, I want to essentially do more of what's working. And when I looked at them, the site that I purchased that doesn't have as much content, that is a little older and hardly has any backlinks, it looks like it's sort of poised with great potential for a lot more traffic and for a lot more earnings. The thing is, it's a smaller niche, like just not visually, but when you take a quick look at the number of products, there's way fewer on the site that I'm going to continue work on. But this site has more traction and I believe a little bit less competition just because it's more niche. So we will see how it goes. And most likely what I'm going to do coming up, I might do one podcast episode extra per month where I just cover this new case study. So we'll see how it goes. And I'm excited to see just what happens when you start giving a site attention that hasn't had any attention in a while. Quick shout out to Ezoic and their site speed accelerator. It'll help your site load faster and you can get a seven day free trial. So I encourage you to check it out. It'll help you get a higher Google PageSpeed Insight score. They guarantee 80 or higher. And in fact, if you head over to Ezoic, there's a link in the show notes, you'll be able to get kind of a handle on what your current PSI score, PageSpeed Insight score is, and then what it might be after you use the SiteSpeed Accelerator. So definitely check it out. They've done a few upgrades in the last uh, several weeks here. So I was chatting with some of the team over at Ezoic And I think they could do a little bit more with minifying and some other detail. That's the thing. It makes it a lot easier if you could use a tool like the SiteSpeed Accelerator. So thanks to Ezoic. I definitely appreciate it. Before we get to the niche website builders Q&A segment, I'm going to just ramble on about YouTube for a second. So number one, I am publishing several new keyword golden ratio videos over on the YouTube site. I, I don't know, I got a little burned out on, on YouTube, even though I publish a lot of videos, it's sort of the content that 
it's easy for me to publish and that I enjoy creating. So those typically are interviews or live streams. And the live streams have, you know, have a love-hate with those occasionally, depending on how I format them. But overall, I haven't been publishing a lot of sort of high-quality scripted videos over on YouTube. And I realized I was getting more questions about the keyword golden ratio. People were asking things like, does it still work in 2019 or 2020? Actually, those were the the main drivers, (laughs) those two things. Does this still work? I see these videos, but they're a few years old. So I decided to reshoot a few videos that I had in the past. So uh, what it amounted to sometimes was just writing a script, maybe updating a few things, but sometimes they're similar to old content. Other times I used the headline because I knew it was a good title, a good topic to cover in a video, but maybe I used a different tool or no tool at all. So quick example on that is best format for keyword golden ratio terms. So in that case, in the original video in 2016, 2017, I used SEMrush, which is a fine tool, but more recently I decided, hey, I'm just gonna like show different formats that you can use. It's tool agnostic. It really doesn't matter. So I am publishing seven new videos. I'm going to put them all on a playlist, allow people to binge all those videos. And it was pretty fun to do. I mean, when I look at the amount of effort that was required and because I've done enough YouTube videos and sort of have a process with my video editor and shooting the videos, it took me, I would say, a few hours per day over the course of a week to write the scripts. So let's just say 10 hours to write the scripts for the seven videos. And then I shot all the videos in one day over the course of a a few hours. So when I write the scripts, I could just put it in my teleprompter that I use, which is just a iPad mini and a little fairly inexpensive teleprompter setup that you can get and put your DSLR mounted in the teleprompter. So I'm able to just shoot the videos pretty quickly. The editing is fairly straightforward for my editor because I don't mess up as much if I'm able to read the script and I don't ramble on. So the videos are much shorter. That's one of the huge things. The videos are, if I just had to ballpark, I would say 20 to 40% shorter because I'm not repeating myself. I just said what I needed to say and moved on. So some of the videos are very short, but I'm not trying to run ads or keep people on YouTube for longer. I'm just trying to communicate the information as quickly as possible. So we'll see how it goes. I hope (laughs) that they have a good reception and over time that they get plenty of views and kind of replace some of the other videos that I published in the past. Again, some of the topics are really similar, but my delivery is much better. I'm a a stronger presence on video. I shortened it up. Using scripts is tremendous. And just the fact that I'm not repeating myself and rambling will hopefully boost the watch time quite a bit. I tried to be smart about some of the, you know, keywords I was targeting 
in the past, right? Keyword golden ratio. That was not a thing. There was no search volume associated with that. People didn't search for it. Right now, a few people per month do search for keyword golden ratio to the point where people try to rank for it. You know, other people try to rank for keyword golden ratio. And in fact, all right, I'm going to ramble a little bit longer here. There's this guy who watched my YouTube videos, I think circa 2016, 2017, like pretty early on. And he basically told me he was going to take my, all my stuff. And I can't remember where he was from, maybe Bangladesh. He was like, I'm, I'm going to take this stuff and I'm going to make it sound like it's mine. And I was like, don't do it. That is a kind of an asshole thing to do. But I mean, I don't speak, um, any other language aside from English. And there was essentially nothing I could do. So he has taken my shit and just like acts like it's his. He may have dropped my name in some of the early ones, but I have people contacting me weekly saying, Hey, there's this guy over here that says it's, it's all his stuff. But again, I, I said this, um, at some point in time, I mean, I don't charge for any KGR idea or tools or any kind of software. There's no monetary gain. So he's sharing the idea. That's great. Uh, it doesn't, I mean, I don't love it cause it's kind of a dick move, but you know, it's not really taking anything away from me and I'm not monetizing YouTube to an extent where it makes a difference to me. And I rarely monetize the videos that I want people to connect with me on. So these new KGR videos, probably not going to run ads at all. I just want people to pay attention to my videos and to the content. So anyway, have a look out there. Let me know what you think of those new videos. I'll probably do several more videos and add them to that playlist, but they kind of fit together. And I'm really trying to get people once they watch one video to watch at least one more and they all kind of work together. So hopefully that'll work out well for me. Now we can get to the niche website builders Q and a segment. We have a few questions coming in. So Steven who had a few episodes about uh, buying or a few questions where I did an episode uh, several, several weeks ago, about uh, buying domains and maybe buying sites. So he mentioned um, that he ended up, you know, buying a couple sites over on Flippa, which is cool. And he wanted to add some more detail about the expensive domains. So if you didn't hear those episodes, you could check it out. Basically, there were a few sites that maybe they were selling for a reasonable amount, but the TLD, the domain registration was very expensive to update. So instead of say $10 per year, it was like $2,500 per year. So he gave a little bit more info and said that it was like .inc, I-N-C, or .car, .cars, .auto, .protection, .security, and a few others. So he was wondering is this going to happen to other more common TLDs and extensions people may know them as? So .com, .net, .org. And my reply back was, I don't know. I'm kind of out of the game as far as like domain purchasing and investing or anything like that. But I don't think that's going to happen. I was surprised to hear that any TLD was going for thousands of dollars just as a rule. 
the thing is I can't envision that companies or the, the managing body out there is going to force basic websites to pay thousands of dollars just to keep the registration and update the registration. It just doesn't make sense. And one of the great things with just starting a website, a hosting company, for example, will give you a very great rate for your first year. And I can't imagine they're going to push so many people out of the market by making it thousands of dollars and so expensive to just have a website with a regular, more common TLD. So that's my take. But I know there's a lot of people out there that are listening that are into different things than me. So if you know anything about extensions, maybe extensions are going to be more expensive in the future or anything like that, do let me know. I'll be very curious to hear. And if you do know that, send me some uh, like reference links as well. I got another email from Amin who said, I'm listening to episode 200 right now. And I want to congratulate you on hitting the milestone. I've listened to all the episodes so far. And my favorite time to listen is at night. I don't know why. It seems that your voice fits that very well. Keep up the awesome work. I mean, thanks for giving me the shout out there. You're a a good supporter of the show. You've sent in many questions and you're taking action out there, which is great to see. So I appreciate all the people that sent in, uh, you know, congratulations and stuff like that. It's been uh, super interesting and very fun to do the podcast. I was just chatting with uh, Brady over at Brand Builders uh, earlier today. And he was like, I was thinking about maybe doing a podcast. And I was telling him, yeah, should do it. You know, YouTube's cool. A podcast is interesting. You get a stronger connection. And just overall, I think I do enjoy the podcast a little bit more than YouTube overall. Part of it is just the the crazy comments and the short attention span of the YouTube side and the, the just dedication of a podcast listener. And I, I like podcasts and I watch a lot of YouTube, so I, I can straddle the line okay, but it is pretty fun. I encourage people, you know, if you're kind of on the fence of thinking of doing a podcast, really consider it. I mean, it's a it's a grind. You have to figure out the, what's going to work for you. But I wish I would have started mine years ago. I wish I would have started, you know, f- five years ago, six years ago when I first thought about starting a podcast. Next email is from DJ. Hope you're doing well. Not sure if you remember me, but I'm a student from the course and I actually do remember you, DJ. And he has come across an interesting situation. So here is the quick summary. I have a niche site in an industry that that doesn't have many items on Amazon. I've come across another website that has great respect and trust within the industry who sells the products in my niche. I've been talking to him and he's very interested in partnering and he has some influencers that give him code names for a discount and then pays the influencer 5% on each sale. My site is a bit different since you can't always have a discount code next to a link to get credit for the referral. And the owner of the e-commerce site is open to proposals on how to structure it. DJ further mentions that if I could figure out how to track the sales clicks like Amazon does, then I could be paid for the 5% commission plus the 10% discount their company isn't giving away. 
Or a simpler way would be to charge a flat fee per click from my website, and that would be easier to implement, but I have no idea how much to charge. So thanks for any help, and cheers, DJ. Good question, and there's a couple things that we can talk about here. So number one, I am not an expert in setting up affiliate tracking or anything like that. So some of the things that I want to point out here. So number one, it seems like they should be able to make it work if they have some sort of affiliate tracking outside of the discount code. That is how I have tracked in a lot of the partners that I have out there. They track just on WordPress. There are a few plugins that will help you track affiliate links and it's fairly straightforward. Some of them have nice dashboards so you can see analytics, you can create specific links and campaigns, and they're relatively inexpensive. I think I got a lifetime deal with whatever I'm using for like 500 bucks, 400 bucks maybe. And if, if you have enough traffic, if you're selling a product enough, it pays for itself in the course of a week. You know, basically as soon as I got it, it paid for itself the first time that I used it. Now, it seems like, DJ, you should be able to show the coupon code. Now, I know that that is the initial solution they propose. So there must be some reason, which you didn't know here, why you're constrained in that way. And it must, it could be the way your, your site is uh, created, but I, I can imagine scenarios where you're just unable to put a discount code by the link. I'm not 100% sure why, but that is your constraint and that's what you outlined. Now, I I mentioned in my email reply back to DJ that if they have analytics tracking for their conversions, if the e-commerce company has that, I think you could technically track a visitor that originated from your site and eventually made the purchase. So you could see that the traffic came from your site and made made it all the way to the conversion point. Now, I suspect they can't do that or they'd have a hard time doing it if that didn't jump out at them. And I'm pretty sure you could do this just with Google Analytics. You could see, hey, this traffic originated here. It went down the funnel and then this person converted into a sale. That should work. I mean, technically, it doesn't seem that like weird. I know that that can be tracked in Google Analytics. I think the setup is probably fairly straightforward. You perhaps could lose some of the tracking and conversions, but I think it would probably take care of most of it. And if someone out there is smarter than me and has done this before, Shoot me an email, let me know, and I can pass it along to DJ and then probably give an update in a future podcast episode. So I think I think analytically it can be done. Now, as far as your proposal on the pay per click, I would have no idea how much to charge either. It would really be based on their margins and their budget for marketing. If they're running any ads on, I guess, Facebook or Google AdWords, they probably know how much each click is worth. It's fairly straightforward to, to budget that out. And once they know, I mean, they may already know, right? If they're running ads out there, they probably know how much they can pay 
per lead before they're losing money. And as long as they're earning money, then it's probably a no brainer. So you may be able to ask them. Typically, you know, when you're negotiating, it sounds like this person is kind of cool and they're trying to work with you here. If you're just straightforward and honest and, and you want to have a good relationship, you may just be able to say, Hey, I don't know how much to charge. Do you have an idea like where it's worthwhile for you? And then either it will, will be good for you or it won't be good. And you'll have some idea, uh, you know, how much they're paying for their marketing and their ads in general and for a click. So you'll have to talk to them and it may be hard for them to reveal certain data. If it's proprietary, you may have to sign an NDA or something like that because that sort of information would be really valuable to their competitors, which, you know, you wouldn't want to compromise the relationship by revealing that information, but you may end up working with competitors of that company sometime in the future. So those are a couple ideas around it. When you peel everything back, if you can have an honest conversation with the the folks over there and figure out a solution, you should be able to work it out. I mean, you have traffic, they want access to the traffic. So there should be a route where you can work together where you're not giving up too much and they're not giving up too much. And it's a situation where you both benefit. I mean, that's the ideal. That's the ideal for sure. I want to thank Niche Website Builders for sponsoring this segment. And I want to give a little update on the shotgun skyscraper campaign they are running. So we're about, let's see, July, August, September, uh, October, November. So we're like four plus months in, almost five months at this point. There are 35 total links, which is pretty cool. This is a brand new site. I started in in July of 2020. The average domain rating as reported by Hrefs is 49.6. And you know, just looking at the data here, I see September nine links were built. In October, nine links were built. And in November, 17 links were built. So the first piece of content, the first campaign didn't pay off quite as much, but when we look at November, it's gained some steam and more links are coming in. This is very, you know, very good to see because it's a new site, it is a young site in a fairly competitive niche. The uh, impact and the, the traffic is, I'll just say uneventful. So I haven't actually, I haven't looked at the traffic in the, the last couple of weeks here, but there's a, a trickle of traffic. And as I mentioned, it's definitely a more competitive niche than what I anticipated initially. So even with some KGR terms hanging out in the sandbox here, I'm not getting as much traffic as I was hoping, but I think this is one of the niches where it may be, you know, six months, a year before there's a just really appreciable traffic out there. So it's one of those. I am adding more content, you know, each month I'm adding 20,000 words of content and hopefully this will grow to be a, uh, you know, a nice moneymaker in the future. As far as the shotgun skyscraper campaign, I mean, it's outstanding. I think it's on a per link basis. It is much cheaper than a regular guest posting campaign and I'm able to get high quality content and then get links to the content. So I think over time, this is probably going to be a really awesome 
way to build links over time on a long-term basis here. I think that's it for the episode today and looking forward to hearing from you. Again, please shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show if you have questions, show ideas, or if you wanted to comment on some of the answers that I gave today. Shout out to DJ and Steven and Amin for asking those questions and shooting those emails over. So have a great day out there and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here on my computer recording stuff and uh, you're listening to it. And I think that's awesome. If you enjoy the show and you know someone who maybe would be interested in it, please let them know. I think it would be fantastic if you help spread the word. If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe. And don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.